Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Raven Slayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Lady Boy Chi a sex expert, a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. I am Lady Boy Gigi. You're listening to Adult Bedtime Stories. We've been off for the last few weeks, been busy with projects and working on the house and remodeling and getting a lot of projects done. But we're back now, just about finished with all the projects. So we'll be getting back to our regular every two week podcast. (laughs) And I have Paul with me tonight. Hey guys, how's it going? And tonight we're doing a podcast on non-toxic masculinity. Basically, with all that's been going on in the world lately, there's been a lot of just toxic stuff going around. (laughs) And I think with the social isolation, it tends to amplify things. So we thought we'd do a positive show on how to really become more positive-oriented for men. I know that in the pagan community, a lot of times men get to that point where you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. (laughs) But anyway, I know that for me, I've often seen masculinity as something that's a bit out there for me because being a hermaphrodite, I tend to be more on the femme side, I think, in many ways. But I am also masculine at times. I can get bitch and run a chainsaw with painted nails <laughs> and do all kinds of things. But anyway, I want to let Paul give uh, his thoughts on where we're going in this show. I know that. Most of our listeners have probably at least encountered the term toxic masculinity, but as a refresher, in case you aren't as actively aware of social media and things like that, toxic masculinity is are forms of masculinity that really hurt us. It's things like over-aggressiveness. It's things like rape culture. It's things like misogyny. I know that when I was growing up, like my best friend's dad was this big 
scary ogre of a of a man that was just always angry and always loud and i remember it really deeply affected me like f- from a a young age and i've always kind of thought of of uh tony when i when i think about toxic masculinity because he knew that he was being frightened frightening to us and we were children and we weren't you know we weren't bad children we weren't we were just kids so for the show i i wanted to talk about some of the forms of masculinity that don't take that those uh negative aspects of masculinity and really focus on the more positive aspects of masculinity. I think that part of masculinity is a bit of a mystery. <laughs> I remember as a kid, and I'd like to kind of go into mas- what it is to be masculine, because I know that when I first came of age, and I think most guys go through this, you get that rush of testosterone and it's like surges through you. You feel invincible. You feel like, oh, I'm Superman. <laughs> but there's some other things that go along with it. It's like I remember when I first came of age, I could get a hard-on looking at anything. <laughs> and I would pop up at sometimes the worst moments I'd get one in class and all of a sudden the teacher would call on me to come to the front of the room and trying to hide that was always kind of a difficulty but I learned real quickly where long I mean shirts with tails that will cover it up (laughs) but I think it's something that in our culture we're kind of it's a sex-negative culture, and the body, and especially the penis, responds to, especially when we're younger, to just anything, and gets very erect. <laughs> it's how people react in our culture to someone that has an erection. It's like it's assumed that, oh, they're horny, or they're thinking about sex, and Actually, what not is true. There's times when I was thinking about sex, but there's other times when I just get this boner and it's like, oh, worst time ever. <laughs> and we don't design clothing to hide it very well for kids. And I think that's part of growing up with a part of myself that it felt like My body was betraying me at times. (laughs) And I think a lot of guys go through this, but we never talk about it. And I think that's one of the early parts of manhood that comes about. You know, our cock has its own mind at times. And that's one of the mysteries to me, is that how can a part of my body kind of act this way (laughs) and so it's kind of a thing of I love my cock I love how it looks I feel like it gives me so much pleasure but also there's times when it can pop up and be a little embarrassing (laughs) with women you don't get that really outward sign that she's aroused. But with men, it's kind of there. <laughs> it's out there all over the place. A lot of guys call, refer to their cock as junk or give it bad names. and But I've never used that for myself. I honor my beautiful cock, my phallus, my magic wand. <laughs> And I love the whole concept of the joystick. It's like it does bring so much pleasure. <laughs> but I just wanted to talk a little bit about some of the 
masculine issues, especially when we hit puberty, and how we're never taught what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, we get this powerful set of hormones that surge through our system, and it's quite a transformation. And I think everybody handles it a little different. It hits at different levels for different people, but that is the first onset for a lot of guys. I remember I I was lucky. I had my first wet dream and woke up and remembered it, and it was amazing. <laughs> a lot of guys, and I remember the first time I had an ejaculatory orgasm, and a lot of guys have it as a wet dream and don't wake up and don't remember, but that first one was so amazing. It was like, it felt too good to be peeing, but it was like a lot of fluid gushed out. (laughs) So I think part of just becoming and going through the transition from boy to manhood is a big step. It's a big transition. And in ancient cultures, young boys that were close to puberty would be sent to the sacred sex temples and taught about and prepared for the transition into manhood. And we don't have that in this culture. I think that's something that's very amiss because it is a huge transition it's also a huge transition for women when they have their come into puberty. And we don't provide that transitional training or rituals or any kind of acknowledgement. It just is kind of hidden away. Is there anything you'd like to add to the whole masculine mysteries and the masculine side of things? Yeah, so I think that the going through puberty is kind of jarring. And I also think that with so much of our media that we consume, as boys are becoming men, or anyone who claims masculinity is going through that process, our, our media is filled with depictions of violence, depictions of strong, tough men being strong, tough men and might makes right and being stubborn and just fighting for every ounce of anything and, you know, screw over everyone else. And I think that getting these um, ideas and images from, from our media, when you're an adult and you're grown, you have a better chance of being able to put it into context and understand it. But you're growing up when you're when you're younger, like you don't have that built in context for it. And it can be really toxic kind of absorbing all of that haphazardly. Mm hmm. And I think part of it is that we aren't prepared for that transition. We get no training or any idea about what's to come when right before we reach puberty. And I think that's so remiss. I think one of the things that happens to a lot of us growing up is that we're given such a mixed message on what it is to be male and what male is. And we don't really have good definitions of what is it to be masculine or what is it to be a man. And it's gotten so convoluted. It's like you're supposed to be this rock that's not have show emotions, not have times of weakness you're supposed to be strong and it's like 
some of the strongest men I know and some of the most beautiful masculine energy I've been around has been men who are able to show their emotions as well as be confident and be who they are with no excuses. And that takes a lot of learning and training. I think one of the things that really upset me in my life was that not only did the doctors do surgeries to make me look male, but they also circumcised me. And a lot of men are circumcised as infants. And that's such a disservice because part of, to me, part of the male mysteries is having the gland covered and hidden away and coming out when you get erect and having that to share with a partner. And that can be so powerful and that adds to the mystery of the phallus. It's so beautiful when it's hadn't been cut. <laughs> and, and I think it does damage at a body level, body memory level. We're wounded right off the bat on our phallus. And it's, in a sense, altered. And we during circumcision, you, you lose one of the glands that's very important for the penis, the gland that keeps the head of the penis very moist and, and slippery and very well lubricated, so it doesn't get coarse skin. But after circumcision, a boy just walking it abrades against pants, against your your underwear. It gets rubbed, and you grow thicker layers of skin. And the head of the penis is supposed to be a moist membrane. I think that just right off the bat, having that damage done to us is invasive. It's not necessary. And it's very damaging, I think, to our manhood. Anything you'd like to add? So I think that you had posed the question earlier, uh, what what does it mean to be masculine? What 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 is masculinity? And at a certain level, like it's it's definitely cultural changes and it changes generationally and it's always going to be somewhat of a um a thing that we like put meaning on instead of a an innate state of being but i think that there are definitely qualities that in the long run make up our concept of masculinity and i think that um some of the ones that i that i actually think are are really healthy and really good are are like having confidence and you were talking about how you can be a very masculine person and still show your feelings and I think that when masculine people share their feelings, they talk through them in a very clear way and in a very simple to understand way. I think that like one of the things that feels masculine to me is communicating your feelings in a clear, concise way so that the people in your life understand, like, not only how you feel, but why you are feeling those things and why you feel those things right now. And having an idea of what to do with those feelings once they come up. 
I think is very important and also to me feels like a, a very masculine quality. I think that oftentimes how we express our feelings is very amazing. And I love hearing your stories about you and your friend that you get into the guy mode. <laughs> and that can be such an th- amazing process to just do your guy thing. As growing up, and even as an adult, a lot of times I've been excluded from the guy thing. <laughs> but I see it around me. And it's a beautiful, amazing process. And even with sports, oftentimes you'll see guys, when they let their hair down, so to speak, and really get into the hoo-ha, hoo-ha of sporting events and do their th- guy thing. It's, it is an amazing process. <laughs> Would you like to talk a little bit about you, your guy thing you experience? Yeah. I've got a, a good friend of mine that's now my roommate. One of the things I really cherish about our friendship is that he does bring out the the very masculine side of me. We drink whiskey and, and rum and we do random push-ups and like we headbutt each other as a sign of affection and but it also feels very primal. It feels primal, but it also feels almost that there's like a sense of deep camaraderie that goes deeper than than the than the words that we use. You know, we can be talking about something silly but there's something behind what we're doing that's more than the sum of its parts. It's one of the things I really cherish because there's a lot of things that make me feel very feminine. And I, my my general energy is, I, I think, tends to uh, tip towards the feminine. And having someone in my life that can balance that out by bringing out the heavy masculine side of me I find very helpful and over the last couple of three months I know that you you, you've known that I've been going through a lot of really crazy chaotic things going on and there have been a lot of things I needed to you know make plans about and and figure things out and 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 do things and it was a lot of crisis situations and i feel like being able to go through that with my roommate was very very helpful because it allowed me to kind of lay out a course of action and kind of follow that and then also, like, me and him, like, get through everything when it's crazy and chaotic like that with gallows humor and joking back and forth about how our our world is flipping upside down and everything's on fire. And I think that having him to bounce ideas off of and make plans was very good and healthy for me. And I think in this process, there is a raw energy that's male. It's very potent and very powerful. And it strikes very deep and brings a kind of bonding that is a bonding of power, in a sense. Mm -hmm. A bonding and a connection that runs deep in different ways than when you're with a woman. Mm-hmm. And it's part of what I kind of look at as one of the masculine mysteries. It's that raw energy that just surges through our bodies, our mind, and it's that 
it's a it's a powerhouse. <laughs> to for lack of better words. And there is this kind of connection that occurs during that uh, expression of raw energy. Mm -hmm. I've had roommates in the past that, oh, they would kind of get into that masculine, beat their chest kind of thing. And <laughs> I am man. <laughs> and it, I could feel that energy surging through them. And, and it is such a beautiful energy in a way. It's like tapping into this powerhouse and bringing it forth and bringing this kind of... It's hard to put into words exactly, but I think one of the words that comes to mind is this whole concept of blood brothers or that kind of bonding that's a camaraderie. I like that word. It's very connecting. And on that note, we're approaching the midpoint of our show, and I'd like to do station break for a moment. I am in the process of launching a whole new practice Coming soon, I'm about to finish my coursework and my sex coach and sexology training. I've been at it for about a year and a half now, and it's really been an amazing journey, and I've learned a lot. Some of it was kind of refresher, but there's some techniques and things that I've learned in this process. And so I'm going to be really putting out some new stuff out there soon. And we're, I'm going to be redoing my website and adding some new websites. I'm running Aphrodite's Temple once a month on as a virtual space where people can participate and or just observe and learn more sex-positive and body consciousness, getting to a whole new level of sexual awareness and sexual skills. So check out our website, ravenslayerleather.com. On there, we also have our Patreon page and also some training videos. That, and I'm going to be adding new training videos soon. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Breast milk science. It's a thing. And it's our thing. We're Byheart. We're an infant formula company on a mission to get a lot closer to the most super, super food on the planet. Breast milk. Our patented protein blend has more of the important and most abundant proteins found in breast milk. We're the first and only U.S.-made formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. We make our formula in our own factories in Iowa, Oregon, and Pennsylvania, using a small batch manufacturing process that works to preserve the integrity of our ingredients. We ran the largest clinical trial by a new infant formula company in 25 years and clinically proved benefits like easier digestion, less gas, and softer poops versus a leading infant formula. We were the first infant formula company to earn the Clean Label Project Purity Award. And while we've put a lot into Byheart, there's a long list of things you won't see on our ingredient list, like no corn syrup, no maltodextrin, no GMO ingredients, no soy, no palm oil. Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. And next, we're going to have Jay give her book review. And she's got some a special book set of books that will bring a more light-hearted side to all this. <laughs> Jay's a college professor that teaches English 
and we have quite a book collection. So I'm going to turn it over to Jay. All right. So the books I'm going to be talking about today are not just books. They're comic books, actually. And for the longest time, I hadn't ever gotten into comic books because I thought they were just all superheroes and capes and whatnot. And then I discovered other comics. And there's a whole whole bunch of them out there that are a lot of fun to read and interesting. And, well, so here are two of my favorites. And you may have heard them before. The first one is Lumberjanes, which was written by Noel Stevenson. At least the first few books were written by her. She also wrote a book, a comic, called Nimona, which was a webcomic at first and then was published, and now she's a comic artist. So, yay, good for you. And uh, Nimona's also a really fun one. It's a, it's a shapeshifter, a girl who's a shapeshifter, and she ends up being uh, like an apprentice or the right-hand girl to this, to the bad guy in this kingdom and wants to help him do all his bad guy stuff and maybe take over the world and the bad guy's like well I don't really want to take over the world and I mean I wouldn't exactly call myself a bad guy she's like no you totally are and it's a lot of fun so you really need to read that one as well it's good characters interesting plots and all that so Lumberjanes it's five girls well obviously there's more of them but our story centers around five girls Ripley, April, Joe, Mal, and Molly, and they're going to summer camp. And let me see if I can get the name of this summer camp here. It's Miss Quinzella Thisquin Pennyquequil Thistle Crumpets Summer Camp for Girls. Excuse me, not girls, hardcore lady types. My bad. So, summer camp, right? Going to summer camp. Only it's not just any summer camp. All right, you really have to get into the the feel of lumberjanes there's three-eyed wolves there's selkies who live in the pond and uh i'm sorry they don't live in the pond the mermaids live in the pond the punk rock mermaids the selkies are the ones who stole the pirate ship from the werewolf captain and she's trying to get it back and uh, just all sorts of stories like that so it's it's kind of tongue-in-cheek you definitely have to take it with a bit of a grain of salt but it's a lot of fun so much fun And I have to warn you that it starts literally in the middle of a story. So you open it up the first page, April's running around in the forest and gets attacked by wolves. But that's okay because her friends come and save her, so it's good. This is not in any way, shape, or form a spoiler. As I say, this is literally the first page of the book. And I opened the book and my first thought was, did I miss something? Is my book missing some pages? No, no, it's not. There you go. So what I love about this is, well, first of all, it's just a lot of fun, you know, and these girls, they face everything without batting an eye and just, oh, look, the Bigfoots are here. Let's go make friends with them or whatever. Bigfoots, big feet, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, and it's all about girl power and friendship to the max. They use that as a little catchphrase all the time. So these girls, well, two of them, April and Joe, have been best friends forever, and the other ones just met each other you know, for the first time this summer, but best friends and all. And uh, in fact, two of them are in love. Oh, it's so sweet. And that's not seen as a big thing. It's just, you know, oh, they're going off and kissing again. Oh my, you know. And, And one of the characters is trans. And at one point, they go over to another summer camp for boys on the other side of the pond, or lake, excuse me. It's bigger than a pond. It's a lake. And one of the boys confesses that he doesn't really feel like he belongs in the boy camp. He kind of wants to be in the girl camp. And they're like, okay, come on over to our camp. And they're like, okay, fine. And uh, they later, I think, are non-binary, or is it agendered? I think they came out as non-binary. But anyway, and so that's just, you know, part of the story. It's like, oh, okay, you can come to our camp. All right, fine, yay. And I love those sorts of stories where it's got this queer rep all over the place. It's no big deal. So it's a lot of fun if you like that sort of offbeat, off-kilter action, Lumberjanes. And I think they've got 12 books out now, 12 comic books, and they've got at least one, if not two, novels out. Maybe even more. I only know of the one and possibly two. So it's a lot of fun. And if you like, if you start in on those, you'll have plenty to read. Now, if you're not so much into the girls, you can also go for the boys. After reading Lumberjanes, I heard of this other one that was described as another comic book series that was described as <clears throat> Lumberjanes except with boys. 
and it kind of pretty much is. It's called The Backstagers, and the artist, or the author, I believe, is James Tinian IV, okay? So The Backstagers, you've got this boy, his name's Jory, and he's going to a new school, all-boys school, and he wants to try out for the theater. You know, he wants to be an actor. Only there's two twins, and they, they are the actors. They do not share the stage with anyone except each other. So they banish him to the backstage. Get it? Backstagers? Oh, I get it now. All right. So he goes backstage, and he meets the backstage crew. So there's Aziz, Sasha, Sasha Hunter, and Beckett. Those are the four back there. Well, when I say backstage, you know, apparently there's like a sort of an almost like a rift in the space-time continuum. I don't know. And that's where they store all their props. But every so often, you know, flying monkeys or weird rat creatures will come out and they have to fight them. And you don't want to go too far because then you're going to get lost in the, you know, mysteries of time and space. Again, so it has that kind of wacky, bizarre, strange things are happening idea that uh, Lumberjanes has. But again, it's got lots of queer rep. Jory goes backstage and sees the guys, and one of them is like, starts flirting with him, and one of the others is like, now is not the time to flirt. And he's like, it is always the time to flirt. So this cute little relationship going, it's just adorable. So it's a lot of fun, and like I say, it's just the queer rep is really great in both of these books. I think there's only three. I think there's a fourth one out of Backstagers, but there's only three or four books on that one. So we're still waiting, you know, hopefully they will continue. That would be lovely, but not nearly as much as Lumberjane, I'm afraid. Sorry. But anyway, so those are the two that I really wanted to talk about. Just something fun, something a little on the silly side. The art is a little more of the cartoony side. It's not that, you know, realistic kind of muscles bulging like in uh, superheroes, but it's still very well done. And actually, Lumberjanes has had quite a few artists. So there's a general style, and you can always tell, you know, it's a Lumberjane story, but there's multiple artists who work on that. So that's a fun, fun one. You never know what you're going to get when you pick it up. But anyway, and it's also, like I say, it's, for me, it was really nice to read comics. And I mean, all right, so they're fighting werewolves and bear ladies and stuff like that. That would be B-E-A-R, not B-A-R-E. Sorry, it's a lady who turns into a bear. Okay, and they don't actually fight her, but she's out in the woods and she helps them fight other bad guys. Anyway, but they're not really superheroes, you know? I mean, they're just kids, all right? And they have all these adventures and things. And Oh, and I love it in Lumberjanes, they're always, like, quote-unquote swearing. But every time they swear, they use, like, a woman's name. So someone jumps out and like, oh, Mae Jameson, I can't believe you just scared me. Or, oh, what the, Betty Friedan are you doing out here? <laughs> so you're going to learn lots of very interesting women's names and women's history. Well, at least the names. You're not going to learn the history. You have to look that up yourself. But anyway. So sometimes, you know, you just want something fun, something to take you away from everything. And, and I definitely would say that Lumberjanes and Backstagers would, would fit the bill for that. Okay. Well, that was great. Thank you, Jay. And I love your book reviews. I know that I had been talking about a personal relationship that I had that has uh, really helped me to find positive masculinity in my life. And I think that it's very important to find those good, positive role models of positive masculinity. And I think that for for most people, it's kind of easiest to start with people in popular culture that have some of these qualities that we're really looking for that really exemplify what positive masculinity is. And I know personally for me, um, some of my big early role models are people like Mr. Rogers, who was a very caring person. He really helped a whole generation, multiple generations of children to understand that whoever they were, it was okay. 
and that the world would be completely different if they weren't in it. He did it in such a kind and gentle way, but he was unwaveringly masculine in my opinion. I think that's a very good example. Uh, in the same vein, LeVar Burton, when I was watching Reading Rainbow, gave kids the the passion for, for reading and and learning how to read and the power of stories to change us. And a lot of the books that he highlighted really had a lot to do with diversity and like understanding different kinds of people in a very simple way and in a very innocent way. So from my childhood, those were two of my like early influences. Then as I got a little bit older and I started learning a bit more about things, I remember when my teenage years, I got kind of into wrestling, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson is maybe some people would find it surprising, but he's actually a surprisingly progressive and gentle person in real life, and he's friendly and has done a lot of outreach for different communities that I find really empowering and and amazing and then of course also that's on the pop culture side but of course I've had different teachers throughout the years I've had a couple of therapists that have really really been a, a good model for masculine role modeling for for me that have really helped me to decide how I want to model masculinity because I know when I was younger I got a lot of very negative feelings about kinds of masculinity because I wasn't a very athletic person and some of the social rules for what boys were supposed to do I just didn't fit into any of them if I had never had certain teachers certain counselors and different people in my life, I I feel like I would have probably lost that part of myself very much. And being a non-binary person, I think that there's a, a really large disconnect with a lot of trans people who feel internally masculine, but they have been shown so many examples of toxic masculinity that it is kind of hard and scary to embrace masculinity in themselves because, you know, you kind of feel like, like I feel these masculine parts of myself, but a lot of the men in my life have been so angry and so violent and so scary like if I embrace that part of myself am I going to become these things that have always deeply affected me in negative ways and so I think there's kind of an identity crisis that people who are on the weird spectrums of of gender kind of go through where they have a thing inside of them that is drawn to the masculine side, but also they're afraid to express it for fear of becoming the negative and dark sides of things that they have seen in the world that have hurt them for a very long time. And I, I think that that's a a conversation that needs to happen and a lot of people aren't really talking about right now. Yeah, I think that really touches on something that I kind of see is that with all the toxic masculinity that's out in the world today, 
it gives a bad name to masculinity. And there is a very positive side to it. I think part of it is discovering within ourselves what is the masculine side and how can we express it in healthy and creative ways. And I think one of the people, you know, we were talking, you were talking about role models and I know within the pagan community, we've, I've seen some very powerful men that are very in touch with their masculinity in the positive ways. <laughs> and I think some of the attributes of positive masculinity is that they're strong, but they're also a good role model. And they want to be there for other people as well as for themselves. And there is that expression of strength and power that's supportive of others, not against others. <laughs> and I think part of it, too, is forming that genital heart connection. For me, when I started working on the tantric side and discovered how our energy centers work, I think the heart does give balance to the the male genitals and the male genitals gives a type of drive and balance to the heart. I know that you you've been having me work on the the heart genital connection a lot and it's it's been really helpful for me it, it especially since I've had you know I know that I've talked on the podcast before about how hard it was for me to embrace my bisexuality because a lot of my early experiences with men were with men that took advantage of me, that knew that I was uncomfortable and pushed past my comfort levels and molested me and I just felt too weak to say no, even though I knew what was happening was wrong. And for a long time, it made it very hard to embrace my attraction to, to men and also made me feel kind of gross about being born in a male body and question whether I was taking advantage of people, if I was... Uh, if I was making other people feel uncomfortable, I think, you know, now that I've gotten older and wiser, there are times that I think that I, in small ways, overstepped levels of comfort that I didn't realize I was overstepping and made people feel very uncomfortable. And that only added to my internal disgust with men in general and it it took me a long time to realize that a I took those minor missteps because I was not given good models and I didn't understand everything that was going on and I, I didn't realize what I was doing and I feel completely awful about those things. And then B, also having positive male role models in my life that were able to model to me ways to be masculine in in a way that didn't hurt people, that didn't step over people's boundaries that didn't take advantage of anyone and the pain of the things that I've done and I, I I don't think that the things I've done have been as bad as the the traumas that I've experienced but knowing that I've inflicted trauma on anyone is something that I still deal with to this day and 
it hurts me and I, I feel very vulnerable admitting this to, to everyone. And I'm not trying to justify the times that I, I did that. What I did was terrible and wrong. And if, if I could possibly take it back, I, I absolutely would. And I, I think that a lot of boys and men in our culture aren't ever aware of the the small micro infractions that they make against women because women feel uncomfortable pointing out when men make them feel uncomfortable because it it's a big risk a lot of the time to even point out that what someone is doing is not okay. Uh, and I think that it's important if you want to model positive masculine behavior, when you see something like that happening, you have to step up and and speak something, especially if you are perceived as male, because a lot of men won't listen to women, but they'll listen to other men. And I think that if we ever want to get past this really shameful thing that is part of uh, especially American culture, but many cultures throughout the world, we need to normalize calling out people when we see people doing things that aren't okay. And I think you touch on something. I mean, we do learn from our environment and the people around us. And living in a sex-negative culture kind of promotes this toxic masculinity and supports it in many ways. You can think of the phrase, boys will be boys, is often the phrase used to excuse the bad behaviors. <laughs> I think it is important that we start making these changes to really look at, call people out when it's wrong, but also to call people out when they're doing right and support them mm -hmm. and support the the good because there is a lot of good in the world and there's a lot of great guys in the world that are doing amazing things. I remember a while back they had the men petitioning the Supreme, or demonstrating in front of the Supreme Court building a while back on positive masculinity. And that takes a courage. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that is a great trait of positive masculinity is having the courage to stand up and the strength to stand up and to really say, hey, this is wrong, let's correct it. I think one of the most important traits that I read as masculine, and it's also a very important thing for men to do, is as a privileged class in society, the weight of the words of men way more than other people, especially cis, het, straight men. Your, your words have a lot of weight. So when you see someone that is getting talked over, when you see that someone is getting discriminated against or that something is not okay, as a straight, white, cis male, you can say something and have your words hold a lot more weight. So if you're in a business meeting and a woman says something and you see men talk over that woman, 
you can say like, hey, I think Janet was trying to say something and I'd I'd like to hear what she had to say and give them the spotlight. And your words as a straight white male will weigh a lot more and maybe make the people that you're interacting with listen to a person that doesn't have the privileges that you do. You can also point out when someone is repeating a point that a gay person makes or or a or a woman makes or a black man makes that and acting as if it was their idea and you can say like hey i think that point was made earlier by x y and z and simply by pointing that out it will refocus the spotlight on people that don't have as privileged a position as you have and i think that that's one of the you know strongest things that we can do as people especially if you can be perceived as not being part of a of a um of a minority, you know, whether you are or not. I know that if I had to go to a business meeting tomorrow, especially if I cut my hair, I would be perceived as male. I would be, I am white. I would be perceived as cis if I was wearing the right clothing. I would be perceived as the most privileged class. And I could lend the weight of my words to people who otherwise may not be heard. And I think that that's a very strong thing. And I think that it it's a very powerful thing that men, that especially straight, white, cis-passing men can do for people in these communities that may not have as much privilege. And I think you touch on something that is really a very strong attribute for positive masculinity, and that's men who develop active listening skills and really hear everyone who speaks out and be able to respond to it in positive ways and support and and reinforce that we all have a voice, that we all are, I hate to use the word equal, but, um, oh, what's the other word that I like? Um, I ran across it the other day. It's not equal, but that people have equity. We're not exactly equal, but we are all equitable. We all have value. We all have different gifts and we have different abilities, but we all have value. And so I like the word equitable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very positive trait for very healthy masculinity. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the thing that we're kind of dancing around right now is that, so one of the especially in the Eurocentric, Western-centric models, one of the things that people think of as very masculine is being a protector, being, you know, protecting people. But there is a toxic way to do that where you view women and other people as property that you have to protect from the onslaught of people that want to take it away from you. And I think that that gets very toxic. But then you can take it to the example that we're talking about and use that natural masculine drive to protect and take care of for the good of the the people that you're trying to protect and rather than, like claiming ownership over them or or expressing ownership over them 
boost them up and give them a voice to to speak from. And I think that there's a lot of things like that in masculinity that there are masculine traits that have both positive and and negative aspects and finding the most positive way to express that masculine aspect is how you really build positive masculinity and rid yourself of toxic masculinity. I think you touch on some really good points. and I think that helps empower masculinity in a very healthy way. Too often we see the unhealthy masculine, and it does give everything a bad name in a sense. And so I like to kind of bring raise consciousness and bring awareness to these issues because I've seen the damage done to all men <laughs> because of the toxic masculinity out there. And to me, learning how to live a more sex-positive lifestyle embraces this whole concept of healthy masculine expression. Any thoughts or closing? I mean, we're kind of at the end of the show, and I think that my main takeaway from all of this is to embrace not just men, but all people, however they identify, the the non-binary, the trans, everybody, and really see people first and have that sense of each person brings value to the table. I think my main takeaway from all of this is that I think that there's a lot of things that we have been fed through our culture that have kind of poisoned the well for for men, for women, for anyone that's not really the few ruling elite that makes all the calls in society. And I think that masculinity has been one of the main things that has really hurt a lot of people, but that's only because the people in charge have all been men. And I think that the toxic ideas of a few people that were part of the ruling class have bled for generations and generations into the idea of what masculinity is. And I don't think it's necessarily toxicity that comes from men being men, but the fact that most of the powerful people in the history of the world have been men and that that has been the model that a lot of people have used for how to be successful in the world. I think that that's the main thing that has been poisoning this whole thing is not things that are inherently a part of men, but the fact that men have been in power for so long and the people in power in order to get power have been extremely toxic people and that has been a thing that has been modeled for boys for generations and generations. I think that's the main thing that's really hurting everyone because everyone wants to be the 0.1% that is the ruling class and they model their lives off of them, not realizing that basically they're wasting their lives trying to win the lottery when they never will. And I don't think it's all powerful men 
leaders. There have been some good ones. <laughs> and very small amount. Well, this has been, boy, the time flies by. <laughs> You've been listening to Adult Bedtime Stories. And we've reached the end of our show tonight. Have a wonderful night. Enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Get sexy and be beautiful in who and what you are. And express yourself to the world in positive ways. Have a good night. Good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual. <laughs>